Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vito Sobral. When we hear about refugees, we tend to think about people fleeing danger and often risking their own lives to escape. But there's another aspect that receives less consideration, how sport can help refugees integrate into their new societies and achieve health benefits. And that's the focus in this episode, how sport managers can help design and deliver sport for refugee populations. And joining us to discuss this is someone who's published widely in the areas of sport and health, as well as team cohesion and integration of different social groups. She's Assistant Professor of Sport Management at High Point University in North Carolina. It's Arden Anderson. Welcome, Arden. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Arden and co-authors Marlene Dixon, Christy Yashiro, Pamela Wicker, George Cunningham, and Bob here recently published Managerial Perceptions of Factors Affecting the Design and Delivery of Sport for Health Programs for Refugee Populations. Now, Arden, when, when I see this issue, I, I can't help but think of my own family. I, I know it's different, of course. They were migrants, not refugees. But I, I think there's some similarities in their experiences with sport. They didn't feel comfortable in joining sport clubs unless it was like a culturally congruent environment. Uh, I would assume there's some similarities there with refugees. Of course, many more factors going on. Um, Now, how did your research help us understand what's happening with refugees in sport? Yeah, so, I mean, you point out something that we really wanted to um, identify with this particular project was that there are things out there in terms of how immigrants um, sort of adjust to new cultures through sport. Uh, But with refugees, there's sort of another layer of issues and problems Um, and sort of health problems that they might have because they've been forced um, out of their country um, into a new environment. Um, So we really wanted to try and identify um, the ways that managers can actually help them. Um, And sometimes we see that sort of different academic projects that were really just focused on the individual level and maybe just talking to different refugees and seeing what needs they have sort of on a case-by-case basis. Um, But we really wanted to try and take a more global approach and try and find some generalizable ways that managers can actually help this particular population um, adjust to new cultures. This particular project um, is interesting for for me um, because my co-author and I, Christy Oshiro, we were PhD students at the time um, doing a study abroad to Germany and the Netherlands. And this project was completely out of our initial wheelhouse, um, but sort of manifested from that study abroad project. Um, It was a great collaborative effort. Um, And something we saw with Germany and the Netherlands in particular was that they were sort of struggling with this influx of large refugee populations. Um, And we wanted to see how local organizations were sort of tackling that issue. So hopefully there are lots of great sort of practical applications for this particular piece Um, beyond just the theoretical sort of implications. We really wanted to actually help managers on the ground. Of course, both so important as well. Just before we get on to the the implications, theoretical and practical, uh, I just wanted to ask you, you're in the Netherlands and and Germany and you see these refugee populations and you're wondering, how how did you get on to how sport can help? Yeah, so we were basically, we had done some um, research. We know that sport sort of has this sort of like magical appeal to people that, you know, if you have a problem, or there's a particular issue, or you want to help people, you just sort of apply sport. Um, you know, sport can sort of, you know, transform people's lives. Um, and because we had all sort of been personally impacted by sport in that way, um, we thought, well, I'm sure sport has some implications for actually helping people integrate um, and become a part of their new community. 
in a variety of ways, grassroots programs have done that. Not with just refugees, but any type of sort of individuals or groups in need. We sort of just like apply sport and hope that, you know, it will help them. Um, and sometimes that's just not enough. Um, we see ways that we can apply sport, but they're actually detrimental outcomes. Um, and that's an important part of this piece too, that I don't want to lose sight of that. You know, we point out a lot of ways that sport's beneficial, um, but sport's not all good. So that's something that's really important too, is that sometimes um, they're actually having detrimental outcomes from this particular, you know, involvement in sport, especially with differences in culture. Um, you know, Muslim populations um, who have refugees in Germany um, and those types of sport programs that are available to them may not fit well with their cultural ideals. Um, and it may actually be more detrimental. Um, so we really wanted to not only identify the ways that sport's great and how it can do really great things in transforming lives and helping deliver great sport for health benefits, um, but also ways that we wanna try and minimize those potential detrimental outcomes as well. Um, so that's a really important part of this piece and this project too. And something that with sport for health in general, we need to make sure we're identifying not only ways that sport can be beneficial, um, but also ways that we can sort of minimize those detrimental outcomes as well. Yeah, sport can help, but it's not the panacea to the world's ills, is it? Uh, <laughs> exactly. So you know, take, thinking about the, that, that approach, you, you used the uh, socio-ecological factors um, that influence sport deliveries. What were those socio-ecological factors and, and why was it important to take this perspective? Yeah, so when we look at sport for health um, delivery in general, we sort of see two different approaches. Um, we sort of just see the increased participation approach, um, which is sort of the primary strategy um, we see where we're just trying to increase participation, sport participation um, across ages and abilities. Um, and the idea being that if we just get more people to participate, we'll have more health benefits. The other approach to sport for health is this sport settings approach, um, where we look at the multiple levels of tactics that we can use in modifying the actual setting to be more health oriented. So this could be things like creating health education information to deliver in sport context or incentivizing sport clubs to promote and support healthy behaviors within the entire club and more so about transforming the entire setting um, and surrounding culture. Um, so we didn't want to just look at the individual level, um, which is that sort of intrapersonal level in our model. Um, where we're just trying to increase participation among refugees. We really wanted to look at those other three levels above that, look at interpersonal relationships, look at the organizational level, and look at society as a whole and some of those more community level factors. It doesn't necessarily work if we get more refugees to participate, if the society as a whole is not inclusive and they don't feel included in the whole surrounding society as refugees. Um, so those two things would sort of combat with one another. Um, so we've developed a, a really cool model uh, for those four different levels where we sort of encouraging and sort of pushing managers to don't just focus on the individual level, look at all of these other um, levels within this model um, and try and tackle things um, beyond just the interpersonal and adjusting things at more of a settings level. I want to get to how you did that because your method is uh, a bit complicated. Uh, lots yeah. of different cultures, lots <laughs> of different contexts. <laughs> how did you 
figure that out? How, how did you go? Okay, we've got all these things to consider. How did we nail down this method? Yeah, so we really wanted to first focus on the managerial perspectives. Um, we didn't really want to speak to individual refugees. We found that that'd probably be really difficult anyway, just to get in contact with them. And so we thought if we really want to address how managers can change the design and delivery of their programs, then those are the experts we want to talk to. And we were sort of unfamiliar with the Delphi approach at first and over time became a little bit of an expert, not a lot, but a little bit. Um, it's something we don't see used a lot, especially in sport management. Um, it's been used um, in a few other studies, um, but more so used in other fields like public health and things like that. Can you just quickly tell um, us what, what, you know, it's not the Oracle of Delphi. Uh, can you just yeah. tell us quickly what it is? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a great question. Um, so basically it's this series of iterative rounds where we are um, soliciting expert opinion on a particular pro uh, topic. Um, and then through a series of iterative rounds of survey questions, we're trying to reach consensus. Um, so the overall goal of the Delphi approach um, is to not only um, sample experts, um, but also to reach some type of consensus, um, which we thought would work perfectly with this project because we've seen other projects that have worked more on a single case study approach. Um, and this was a way for us to find something that was more of a consensus over a variety of cases. Um, so thankfully, um, we had um, Dr. Wicker um, and Dr. Here on our study as well. And so they were sort of our um, vehicles into the Germany population and the Netherlands population um, and helped us sort of translate and things like that along the way, um, which was helpful. And we basically were able to contact different experts and we sort of snowballed from there. They would um, suggest other experts who were working um, in particular organizations, local organizations working with um, refugee populations. Essentially, we had two different rounds. One of the great things about um, doing qualitative work like this is it's hard to wrangle people all at the same time. So we had to, you know, send out the survey and then, you know, constantly get in contact with them again to, you know, make sure they were filling out the survey in time. Um, gave them a couple weeks to, you know, finish round one, where we basically were just asking them, you know, what do you see in your experience? What are the benefits you're seeing? What are some of those uh, unintended consequences or detriments? What are the challenges you're seeing, you know, on the ground level? Um, and once we got all of that information back, um, we then had to sort of see what kind of commonalities are we having here? What are they saying? And the most important part of the Delphi approach is that sort of second or even third round where you basically send back to them everything you got from not only them personally, but all the other experts. And you just check in with them, you know, where do you see, do you agree that these are actually benefits for refugee um, sport for health programs? Do you actually see that these are different challenges? And they sort of rated their level of agreement. Um, and we're working toward getting some type of consensus um, and agreement upon the experts. So yeah, it seems, it seems complicated, and, and it definitely it's hard to coordinate. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's just a great way to sort of, you know, not only get one person's perspective, because that's hard to also detail, you know, in any type of academic literature, you have 17 different people and 17 different perspectives. How do we make sense of all of that um, and get something clear and direct that we can send out to academics and practitioners and say, here's what we're seeing over these 17 different experts' perspectives. 
Um, so yeah, I think that we'll start to see more people maybe using this, but I think it seems intimidating, you know, on its front. It seems kind of complicated, but definitely a very cool um, method and actually something that I'm getting ready to take up in another project as well. Um, so I feel like once you get your foot in the water, um, it's probably more beneficial, I think, than people think. Well, I think you broke it down really well and you can see why it's so rich in, in uh, understanding what's going on. So tell us, what was your model? What were the levels that you found? Yeah, so we basically broke down our results um, into the benefits. And I won't touch on that too much because we know that there are a number of health benefits um, to sport programs, physical activity, you know, stress reduction, coping, building friendships. Um, and both our German and our Dutch experts agreed that sport provides you know, great health benefits um, in the lives of refugees. We also were really focused more so though on sort of the challenges they were seeing in delivering their programs and what they were doing about it. And that was sort of the tactics category. We really focused um, the majority of our results and our model as well on what those challenges were um, and those tactics that they were using to address them. Um, and so we basically saw that there were a variety of tactics that were pinpointed specifically to maybe combating a certain challenge. For example, we had transportation for refugees to and from facilities um, was sometimes an issue. Um, they didn't actually have a car or any way to actually get to the sport facility. The sport facility. Um, so solving that sort of transportation challenge was one of the tactics um, or maybe um, intentionally adding language training to overcome language barriers between the refugees and the sport club personnel. Um, so there were a lot of different challenges um, that some of the different organizations were having to tackle. Um, we really wanted to identify um, what those different tactics were. Um, so in our results, you basically see those breaking down into those four different areas, benefits, detriments, challenges, and tactics. Um, and then from there, we sort of applied all of those results to that four-part um, ecological model um, and trying to extend beyond the individual level. And how did that uh, advance our theory, advance our understanding of this, uh, this area as a whole? In terms of sort of the main takeaways from this particular project, um, if sport managers really want to do sport and help for refugees, they need to move beyond just increasing participation um, and that participation approach and really try and affect the setting and the context itself, creating both programs and partnerships that are tailored to sport for health outcomes with the appropriate staff um, and resources and really trying to transform the larger setting rather than just trying to get more refugees to participate in sports. So for me, that's one of the primary takeaways from this particular project beyond just the different challenges they're having or maybe different strategies that local programs can use. Um, it's really trying to affect those larger organizational and even societal level um, outcomes um, and attitudes towards refugees participating um, in sport for health programs. So let's say the Netherlands, the Germans, uh, they're, they're really content with what you've done and they want you to implement it. What would you do? How would you design sport for health programs for refugee populations, not just in, in Europe, but, but perhaps uh, in other countries around the world? Yeah, great question. Um, so I think that 
sort of a multi-level approach, which fits perfectly here. <laughs> I would expect nothing project. less. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those complicated, you know, answer, non-answers. Um, I think it's lots of different things. It I think depends, it's not only right? understanding it your particular refugees. I think that gets a little complicated when we see programs like, um, or countries like Germany, um, that have millions and millions of refugees coming from both other European countries, but also non-European countries um, and differences in culture. So I think understanding just what local refugees you have and where they're coming from and having some type of cultural representation within your staff, people who understand their culture or speak their language, um, I think from just an interpersonal level, um, that's huge and, and really important for this particular population and understanding things like maybe even gender inclusiveness. We saw some of that um, where the female participants, um, they needed different types of strategies for those particular programs. Um, so I don't think that there's sort of a, a, you know, one rule fits all programs, because I think it largely depends on who you're working with. Um, but I think in understanding the local population is part of it. Um, and then I think some of the other strategies I think are probably more generalizable to um, addressing language, addressing your sort of systematic access for refugees. We saw that as a major issue um, at the organizational level with providing transportation. I think it was something that just sort of um, gotten forgotten um, that they may not necessarily have a way to get to and from the facility. You can have a great facility and great programs, but if no one can get there, doesn't necessarily work. Um, so that's something I would see from an organizational level to providing transportation for all programs. And then just really trying to address those societal level ideas of having an inclusive um, social mindset, just awareness and value of refugee health um, and integration into the local community um, and having that understanding of different cultures um, and religions. I think this particular piece is really pertinent now um, when we're seeing all across the globe, people addressing issues with people just not understanding different cultures um, and not having that sort of inclusive mindset. We're seeing large pushes for um, diversity and inclusion. So I think this piece is coming at a really timely um, opportunity to also addressing that um, with people who've been forced to you know, relocate from their homes um, and trying to use that magic pill of sport, so to speak, to you know, sort of solve the world's problems. Um, but I think we just have to be more intentional. Um, that's sort of the primary message of this piece is it's not enough just to apply sport. You really have to be intentional about trying to address certain um, health outcomes um, and really listening to your participants and what they actually need. It sounds like understanding the, the refugee population and their needs is absolutely vital. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome, Arden. And, and it really goes goes in line with some of the other podcasts we've done, articles that in the Sport Management Review about diversity and inclusion. We hear similar things there. So um, if you haven't heard those, check those out as well. But Arden, it's been fantastic talking to you and uh, really important research as well. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to share and hopefully people will read the article and get something great out of it. So that's the goal. I'm sure they're going to right now. Thanks, Arden. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. At the Sport Management Review website, you'll find all the latest research being published, including the article discussed in this episode. Managerial perceptions of factors affecting the design and delivery of sport for health programs for refugee populations. From Volume 22, Issue 1. That's it for this episode, but take a look. There's plenty more that you can download to your favorite podcast player. Until then, 
It's bye for now.